Hello, my name is Candace Bird. I am Cherokee Kwapon Osage, and this is Real Indigenous, the show where we talk about all the things indigenous in entertainment and film. And today we are focusing on reservation dogs. And I'm here with my co host, with my uncle. What's up, Kelly? <laughs> oh, yeah. How are you doing? And my aunt, my adopted auntie, Angie. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Well, today we are going to be talking about the last episode in season one of Reservation Dogs, Saturday, spelt with a V. So we start at the beginning of the episode. We've got each of the Reservation Dogs, and we know that today is the day. Today is the day that they are leaving for California, what they have been working towards all season long, stealing and doing whatever it is they need to do in order to get that money and get out. So uh, we start off with different scenes uh, showing where the different people are the different res dogs are and we begin with a scene with bear and he gets that spirit that recurring that recurring vision of uh, dallas goldtooth as the <laughs> as the spirit uh, as his spirit uh, guide person <laughs> william knife man and william knife man kind of puts this challenge to him you know have you have you done all your have you finished all your business? Do you, you're not leaving any unfinished business behind. And then Bear, he realizes, oh, should I have gone and fought? Should I have fought the Indian mafia? Should I have gone and defeated them? And William Knife Man doesn't say yay or nay. You know, he just says, you know, I have I have no answers. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's always a funny scene from Dallas. And uh, that's what kicks off this episode. And then we've got What's fun about this episode is that it, it we've been introduced to all these fun and quirky characters on the res in the village, and uh, they bring them back. They bring a lot of them back for this finale. And so we see Moe's and Miko. We see uh, Uncle Brownie, you know, and he's stolen a lawnmower, riding around in a lawnmower that he stole. He's really almost prophetic, you know, and he says to the res dogs, hey, there's a tornado coming. Then we uh, we meet up with Willie Jack. We see that she's like the only one who she is the only one out of her family who remembers her parents' anniversary. And so she reminds her dad, who reminds her mom. And she, the way she does it is uh, she gives them a stolen gift card from the for the casino buffet. We don't know it's stolen. It's just her, she got it her way. That's true. That's true. <laughs> she, has, she, she has her ways. She has her ways. <laughs> she, she has her ways. We know that's a $50 gift card because she's worth it. Because <laughs> yeah. the mom's worth it, <laughs> and he try and the dad tries to act all smooth, but you know, we all know some of our native guys. We love them, but some of them just don't have game, and that's okay. We love them anyway. <laughs> we move on from there, and the res dogs they they find they find an excuse to they go back to uh, their hideout their hideaway place, and they count their money, and Ruly Jack gives the big reveal: she's not going to California. She's not going to California, and that upsets Alora. And you know, she challenges the rest of them, you know, like, well, what anybody else got something to say? This is a very disappointing moment for Alora because this is what she has been working towards. And she's probably been, she and Bear have been arguably the one, she most the one has been wanting this. She has been wanting this for a very long time. One of her good friends backs out on her. But I, I like, uh, you know, like Willie Jack's answer. She's like, you don't got to be like that. Here's my cut of the money. You know, I'll, you know, I'll come visit, you know. And so Laura, you know, she softens up a little bit, you know, and then it's okay. Okay, you'll come and visit. Bear, then after seeing several 
after after seeing this vision of William Knifeman several times, he finally opens up and he finally shares with the Res Dogs, his closest friends, that he has been having this vision of this Lakota warrior, and uh, he thinks that he's got to finish. They got to fi- they got him finish business before they jet off to California. When the the gang agrees that they should uh, respect the vision, they go and they get into an altercation. It's just a smack. It's just smack talking in a yard. <laughs> you know with the with the indian mafia and they're just cussing each other out you know it's just it's just really tough talk and but then the itch gets real when hail starts falling from the sky you, we know that a tornado is coming and as oklahomans we all know uh we've even have an uh, we've had an episode interrupted at a time you know during the season by a tornado a lot of us i don't think are afraid so much of the tornadoes just because of the the frequency of them but uh we also know the drill we also know the drill we usually i hope we practice safety and all of that not being near windows but i don't know some of us just like to go outside and we watch it <laughs> i know I some of us like... <laughs> <laughs> i may it. have had a tornado go over my head <laughs> my <laughs> Well, <laughs> all of us tend to do have different reactions to the tornadoes. <laughs> Some of us like to go out and watch it. Some of us duck for cover. And Uncle Brownie is doing something that I don't know how old this practice is, but he's doing something that Cherokees do as well, which is he's looking for an axe. He's looking for an axe or a hatchet to cut that storm. And uh, it's funny, I was watching this episode with my dad and dad goes, you know what he's trying to do? I said, yeah, I know what he's trying to do. He says, well, he's doing it wrong. <laughs> he says, wait, I wish wait. they would show him doing it right. So that way we would, we would. What's he doing? Tell the, tell the non. Oh yeah. How's it, how you, yes, what's going on and, and how, how he's supposed to do it right. Yeah. Well, because I've heard so many different stories from so many different folks. Yeah. All right. Well, the way I've been told you do it is you have to do it before the storms on you, you know? So, what you do is you think you see it coming. And from what I understand, Cherokees, you know, that there's a way that you can speak to the storm and ask it to just leave. But you have to have an axe and you're you have to look for a tree. And as you're talking to the storm, you have to take the axe and you plant it in the tree. And it's supposed to the clouds are supposed to part. It's supposed to go away. So this is something that I know that Cherokees like to do sometimes or it's something that we used to do and I don't know I don't know of too too many people who who do this but also like you're not supposed to tell people that you're doing this either because it's medicine (laughs) it's a medicinal practice and it's like a way of of conversing with things you're I don't you're not supposed to be posting about it like on social media or something like that you know but you know during that whole um, El Reno tornado Mm -hmm there popped up on the news story i want to say it was kiowas uh-huh the elders that got out and did their medicine and diverted the storm yeah which I, all of the meteorologists were like why is it turning it's not supposed to be turning and then like the <laughs> next day all the elders are like well you know when it turned the one way i heard is that what they would do is put it in front of the house and bury the pole side into the ground yeah. To where the blade side would be faced towards the the, the tornado. Yeah. yeah. And so and so they would say that it would split. I yeah. That's what I. Yeah. That's what would stop it. 
And okay. then, um, and so that was the version I heard. And mm -hmm. then there was another version it was where you, you had to have tobacco also. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then offer it to the to the wind. And so when I was telling my kid about it, when she when I told her when she said it would divert the the tornado, I said, "But wouldn't that hit somebody else?" So <laughs> it still doesn't doesn't help. <laughs> and I said, That's true. And then I and I was saying that they offer tobacco, and she said, "Why is that?" Well, you know, I had to tell about how how it's medicinal. Mm -hmm. And and then the story that one of my mentors told me, Doctor Bob Fields. Did you know Bob Fields, Angela? No, uh huh. Okay, he was at OU. And his story was that they were out in the middle, like out like on a highway where like nowhere to hide, nowhere to run. And there was a big tornado coming. And he takes out his big tobacco and starts saying, I'm offering the tobacco to protect us and not hit us because we're here and we don't want to be hurt. And so he, you know, he held it up and offered it to the to, to whatever, to the tornado, I guess. And, and you know, he lets it go. And he said, you know, and when that happened, the tornado did divert and not hit them and go away. And he was like, now, I don't know if that really was the reason why. I, I, just, I just know that's what they told me to do. So I did it. It's <laughs> <just> pure luck. <laughs> but it happened. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, don't question it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I've always been told that's why Tahlequah knock on wood hasn't really been hit all these years is that one, it's in a valley. Two, it's because that there's like, there's something that protects us from like the tornadoes actually coming and ripping through town. You know, I don't know. Like, that's just what I've been told. And, uh, and maybe, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a lot of creative license for showing like a, a medicinal practice like that on TV. Like there's probably a lot of creative license and Creeks probably do it differently, but dad, dad was entertained and he was, he was like, Oh, I wish he was doing it right. But maybe Creeks <laughs> do it differently, you know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe the practice is to get on top of a roof and and to like <laughs> physically like <laughs> so at it. <laughs> yeah throw that axe just right right throw the axe right at it of course they don't they don't show that but that's what and that's the thing they don't really show what happens it goes to commercial break and then the everything else is just kind of implied yeah. so that's clever very clever well sterling did direct this episode so i'm gonna guess that he and Gary mm. Farmer had a good old time with that. I bet they did. I bet they did. We got Uncle Brownie talking about his powerful medicine, you know, and I love the comments he makes to Mozamiko, like, I can make your tire flatten whenever I, you know, just by blowing at it. <laughs> and so they start, <laughs> they roll away and they're like, oh man, that's that dark maggot magic that he's got. <laughs> <laughs> So we got, and we got big, you know, and he's a, you're lucky I didn't arrest you. You got all these warrants out and you stole that lawnmower. Uh, but Uncle Brownie is on the, that journey to find that axe. And he finds one, he crawls to the top of the roof. And the last shot we see of him is that he's yelling. He's probably maybe praying or he's, you can't, I don't think, uh, I, I listened to it with the closed captioning on. And I don't think it actually says what he's actually saying. Or I don't, I don't think it, it's not transcribable. Maybe what he said, or he might have been speaking Creek. Uh, that's where, that's where it usually, that's where it goes to commercial break, and then we cut to the res dogs in the church basement, and uh, you got the whole community down there. You got some, uh, some tension building between the res dogs and the Indian mafia. You know, they're still trying to smack talk one another, but then they're all like, "You're all lucky. They're elders here. You're so lucky that they're elders here. Yeah, the elders are here." <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
they do a little freestyle rap. You know, you got Moe's and Miko doing what they do best. And then you got a member of the Indian mafia who's got some, <laughs> he's got some, he's got some good words to say. He's got some stuff to lay down. And that's a, it's a, it's fun. It's a fun scene where you just see the community and you get to see them all kind of sequestered together in a room where they can't really get away with one another. They, they can't get away from each other. And that, of course, we know is a wonderful place for uh, tension to just kind of ensue. And some of these things that have been building up over the season just kind of spill out over. Uh, we see Laura and we see Jackie from the Indian Mafia. They go and they have a talk in the sanctuary and Bear follows them uh, because Willie Jack and, and all of them, they, um, they, they're wondering like, what's, what's Laura doing with Jackie? They go, Bear goes to spy on them essentially. And he gets another vision from William Knife Man. And William Knife Man's chowing down on some communion. <laughs> and uh, he talks about how he, how he and uh, he and Jesus, Jesus, you know, they're, they're like brothers. You know, what he, what he, he said, we're both uh, brown people cut down in the, t- in the prime of our lives. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that was fun. And, uh, and there's also the callback of sub white Jesus. Yeah, sub white, sub white Jesus, sub white Jesus, and that, and that's funny to me because we'll see later, like we see later in the church basement, and I only noticed it on this watch. Behind the res dogs, where the res dogs are sitting, there's a native nativity. It's a native Mary and a native Joseph, and she's holding a native baby Jesus, and you know, and they're all brown native baby Jesus in a cradle board. So. I love that in this church basement, I don't know where Sterling found it. I'm sure it's an Indian church, but the sanctuary looks like it may have been filmed somewhere else because I don't often see that imagery native of biblical in- imagery and mixed in with, with white Jesus and mixed in with uh, the white, more uh, ang- anglicized uh, iconography like that. So uh, that was fun to see <laughs> kind of a fun mashup in the space. <laughs> I like, I just, I like William Knife Man's uh, advice to him, you know, where he's like, you know, there's a uh, women, they have important things to discuss, you know, and he's like, when he talks about when he accidentally went into a women's council once, you know, and he saw things and, you know, it was better not, better not discussed, you know, but women have important things to discuss and sort out. Then Bear goes back to his friends. And I think by then, um, may have missed a part. Uh, I might've gone slightly out of where Willie Jack has made an announcement that she's going to stay her parents anniversary and they acknowledge uh, the loss of their community member daniel whose ghost whose presence has been with the res dogs throughout all the season too and it's essentially we see this as kind of a time of a bit of healing for willie jack that she was going to leave because of her pain but now she's going to stay because of her love of her parents and she wants to she says that she doesn't know she says she wants to be there for them. She doesn't know how long she's going to have them. So she wants to be there for them. So we see her kind of, we see her grow up just, you know, a little bit wanting to, wanting to do that, wanting to kind of take on responsibility like a, like that. And I know as a young native women or as, as native women, I know that oftentimes care of our elders, care of our parents, sometimes that falls on us. But, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes that just happens in, in families. And uh, we see Willie Jack kind of stepping into that role. Then the tension between Bear and Alora just spills over. And they get into a horrible fight and they say mean things to each other. Where Alora accuses him of never really wanting to go to California at all. And he says, well, at least I wanted to go for all the 
at least I wanted to go for all the right reasons. You know, it wasn't because of Daniel's death because you, you can't move past it, you know? And she, she says some, you know, mean things about, you know, living out his daddy fantasy and spending the money. You know, she accuses him of being loose with the money or alleges that he was loose with the money. So they wind up having this awful fight and they wind up separated for, they wind up, you know, just taking space from one another. You know, they, they need time to cool off. And it's about that time too, that <laughs> Lane, Cheese and Bear had a, have a funny little exchange where, where Cheese is like, well, you know, women don't need your permission, Bear, to like, to talk to each other. They don't need our permission, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, you got cheese kind of doing this funny thing where he's trying to he's obviously trying to support all of his friends but you can't you can't support all of them at the same time whenever they're having an argument (laughs) uh, and so he winds up you know getting told to shut up but then that leads cheese also to be like hey i'm out i don't want to go either i'm not going to california and so all we have left is alora and bear who are mad at each other going to California. And it's in those shots too, that that's when I realized I saw that native nativity that's behind our res dogs. And I thought, oh, that's fun. That's really pretty. I wonder, I bet that's a real thing in a real native church basement somewhere. <laughs> uh, then the we see that uh, Uncle Brownie wakes up naked, but naked in a field. <laughs> and we got William Knife Man coming back and his, uh, he calls him old warrior. And we find out that... um. You know, that William Knife Man, he he doesn't make just spirit visits to Bear. He's also making them to other community members. And it looks like this first time he's made it to Uncle Brownie. He tells them that it was either his clothes or his life, you know, in exchange for taking that tornado away. So they said, we heard your prayer. We, you know, and we, we diverted the tornado. Uh, but, you know, the price for that are your clothes or your life. So we decided on your clothes. <laughs> And we get to see, um, we get to see a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, we get to see a lot of Uncle Brownie, more than I ever thought. I laughed so hard when that, yep. that scene popped up. I was, oh my gosh, tears. <laughs> I mean, talk about go big or go home. Uh-huh. I mean, that was, that was a bold choice. Yes, I agree super bold super bold (laughs) (laughs) but i also like i i I applaud the boldness of it because in a completely different show like i used to tease like about game of thrones i'm like how come it's only the beautiful the only you know stereotypically beautiful super thin super slender people getting you know having all the fun and you know have you know exposing themselves all the time and they're the only ones who get love scenes or sex scenes or anything like that i said well what about that king that king had a lot of stuff going on in game of thrones and he doesn't get one sex scene (laughs) and i of course i was just teasing but i kind of thought hey maybe this is a maybe this is another point for representation that's right <laughs> yeah maybe the people are ready for this after all these years it's not the representation we asked for but it's the rep- representation we deserve we need yeah the representation we deserve <laughs> so uh, we leave uncle brownie naked in the field and he says it's buggy out there <laughs> so i imagine he's probably getting 
spitting. <laughs> yeah, if anybody's ever been to eastern Oklahoma, they know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially during those warm, warm mm-hmm. storms. You get, yeah, you get that stormy time of the year. It's, it's buggy. 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 Yep. And then, uh, so we come back. The community is now safe. The tornado has been split. And so everybody comes out of the church basement. And everybody kind of goes their separate ways. And then um, we, but we kind of see this kind of parting of ways almost. It reminded me of Lord of the Rings. There were, uh, the Res Dogs uh, make a reference to Lord of the Rings, uh, the first in the last episode, uh, the episode before this one. Uh, they were talking, they, they have a conversation. It's very quiet, very, very under their breaths about the fellowship, about Lord of the Rings. For some reason, that's what I, what called to my mind. Whenever Laura and Cheese are taking leave of Bear and, uh, oh no, it's sorry. It's Bear and Alora taking leave of Willie Jack and Cheese. And Willie Jack's like, well, I guess I'm the leader now. <laughs> and of course, Cheese tells her, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. So yeah, they, they hug and they leave. And uh, throughout throughout the storm, Bear's uh, been worried about his mom. She hasn't been answering his texts, and I and I wonder too. I wonder if this will come out in season two. Like she was very nonchalant. She just shows up, and she's like, "Oh!" And Bear says, "Why weren't you answering my texts?" And she's like, "Oh, well, you know, it's just a tornado. I'm not scared of I'm not scared of a tornado. Most of us don't get scared really of the tornadoes. We just they just are. They're just very common." They give a hug, you know, they hug each other. And there you also see this moment of like real connection where you see Bear. Um, Bear's about to leave the only parent that's ever really been there for him, who's been there, you know, and has supported him. And she uh, she tells him what what's going to be for dinner. For me, that that communicates like security, stability, you know, for a young man. You know, she said, we'll, we'll do this for dinner. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And we see his bags packed. Then the next shot, we see Laura and her, her res car pulling up to a house and it's Jackie who gets in the car. It's not bear, you know, and they drive off, they take off and Jackie's, you know, telling her like, you know, I bet you're, I bet you're glad you'll never have to see your, your like your loser friends anymore. Your loser uncle Brownie. I bet you're, I bet you're glad to be, you know, rid of them. And she's like, and Laura says, yeah, yeah. But you can tell that she doesn't really mean it. It's, it's her, it's her putting up a front. Uh, we see them drive off, and the impli- they imply that they just drove off without Bear. That's how season one ends. So what are our thoughts and reactions to some of those things? Well, I mean, if we're, if we're taking it with the anthology device of this series, then, yeah, I think it's the perfect wrap-up of getting everybody in the same room doing some resolution from some storylines and then setting it up for season two. I won't say wrapping it up in a bow, but it was really well written, well done and left everybody wanting more. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, um, I mean, what's the main story arc of the overall season? Is it the, uh, the confrontation with the, there's two of them, right? The confrontation with the, uh, with the Indian gang and then the raising of money to get out. Right, mm-hmm. and so we we somewhat resolved those two things in a somewhat anticlimactic way, and so now we have to wonder what's going to be, you know, the, the the next thing. Well, as for this, uh, yeah, this episode, you know, I fit, it was again like you said, like this sitcom 
kind of thing. Whereas a sitcom is you can join a show at any time and not have to be really caught up because everything's kind of there for you. And this one even felt like that, where if I watched this episode and didn't watch any others, I kind of would get a sense of what's going on. Some of it's even explained, even with the bear talking about Knife Man being his spirit spirit guide. Spirit guide. Yeah, his spirit guide. And uh, he even gives kind of like a back backstory of, of who he is and, you know, by his nipples being <laughs> chafed and all this. And so, you know, you get the joke again. And so I thought, yeah, I thought it was like, I thought it was well done. I thought it was a good story. Good, you know, good time had by all. You know, you get to meet all the characters again that we saw throughout the show. We didn't get to see Wes Studi or uh, Kim uh, oh, yeah. Guerrero. I think those were the only two that I That's missed. True. And I'm sure they were probably off doing other work. Otherwise, they'd be there. But yeah, as an overall like cap to the story, I think it was, I think it was fine. Kind of spent a little too much time in the basement for me, but it wasn't a bad thing. It was, it was just it kind of slowed down the pace for me. But it was nice to see the elders with the youth. Mm-hmm. like all in one space with them acting the fool and everybody being just like stop <laughs> which is what happens at church sometimes exactly it's like, you know it's everybody, <laughs> everybody sitting around watching the youth acting the fool sometimes the, well sometimes the elders act the fool which is probably what we should have seen was more elders. i mean there was a jim joking on the, the husband and wife so i remember when y'all was snagging tv creeping you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah taking shells for you <laughs> which I hope he was talking about a 49 because there are rules. <laughs> there are rules that are supposed to be followed. <laughs> yeah, that's, anyways, that's interesting anyways, too, fine. because there is a lot of that. Like like you said, these uh, these breaking of rules that happen, and maybe it's just for the show to, 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 to make fun of it. Like you said, like that, the rules of, you know, you're not supposed to mess around during ceremony and stuff like that. Yeah, you're supposed to wait for seven days. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tully, 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 Uncle, how could you? <laughs> no wonder you almost got ceremony. caught in a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would stand out for you guys besides naked Gary Farmer? I know that's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep coming back to. Listen, you know, all of the news out of this state yesterday just was it was rough like rough on top of rough and so i turned on this episode just for that comic relief of uncle brownie i just needed that craziness just to make me laugh i mean of course probably the bigger takeaway is that bear's not going to california as far as we know yeah i find a i guess in a more a deeper takeaway for me is I, I find it very, very touching that Willie Jack and cheese are actively choosing to stay. And Willie Jack is very firm in her declaration and declaring it to her community members, because that's not a story that I've grown up seeing yet. It's a choice that I've had to make, you know, uh, and I, that's why I think I resonate a lot with Willie Jack is that, you know, when I was a kid, when I was younger, in school, I was taught that I could go anywhere, live anywhere, be anything I wanted. And we all know that, you know, that's kind of not true. <laughs> and then as I grew older, and, and that was my goal is that I wanted to go do theater and perform like in Washington, D.C. somewhere. Like I wanted to perform at some place like Arena Stage or something like that. You know, I wanted to be there, do theater in a great big old metropolitan city. And then as I got older, went through college and went through grad school. 
I started realizing, oh my goodness, if I do that, and if I, if I happen to want to settle down or get married or have kids, I thought if I have kids, they're going to grow up away from their grandparents. They're going to grow up away from ceremonies, from dances, from language. And I thought, I don't want to be responsible for another break in the disenfranchisement of, um, you know, of, of, of my native peoples. I don't think Willie Jack based her decision based on that, but it was something that that's why I think I, I just resonate with Willie Jack a lot is that we don't often, we often don't see stories either on film. It's usually like of native people, young people wanting to come and be a, a good part, healthy part, a contributing part of their community. Um, and, you know, and that's for many different reasons. Like, I don't want to cast shade or judge anybody who has to leave the reservation for, you know, myriad of things, whether it's job opportunities or education opportunities or housing or whatever that is, you know, that there, there are many different reasons that people leave. But it was nice to see a story where this is a choice to stay and she's choosing to stay because of the love and the bond between her and her parents. You really bond with your community members like that, you know, and they really hold us in community. That's that's a, so that's a takeaway for me is that Willie Jack wanting to become a part of her community, you know, and like William Knife Man said before, <laughs> like uh, the other that child that challenge to bear, leaving things better than how you left them. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> Bear's like I guess because we all know they haven't. They've been stealing. They've been doing they've been up to all kinds of things and making other people miserable i think it's i think it'll be fun to see like how does willie jack try to <laughs> i don't how does she become a responsible community member but maybe we'll see more of that in season two but that was a takeaway for me i don't often see positive stories of young native people wanting to stay and maybe in a place that's um that can be where they could grow healthy be healthy responsible people well and that's pretty reflective of sterling's choices in his life to stay and be productive. yeah and be a productive member of his community so it, it's nice that people are seeing that on the national level of that commitment because you know there's there's plenty of res porn out there yeah where it's like oh it, a lot of people a lot of people are just like why would you stay why would you stay where it's harmful, where there isn't clean water or whatever it is, whatever the, there are lots of issues. There can be lots of issues depending on which res you go to. So it's like, why do you stay? That is something that like, you know, I, I think a lot of people do think about, especially if they're um, uh, the, the Indians who are relocated. One of the things that, you know, you hear when you're out in California is like, you know, the, 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 the goal is to get back home and get back to the res. And, you know, they think about that type of stuff because this whole idea of like leaving your place, your land for this grand opportunity is a very Western concept, you know, because like a lot of like, like for my tribe, you know, if you, the further you get away from home, the more sicker you'll get that you'll die. You know, if you, the further away you'll, you'll basically die is what they say. <laughs> if you leave home, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah, and uh, and so like and 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 but the other you know the, like you said the other part of it too the flip side of it is that the reason why a lot of us do leave is because 
these things that are work, our work, our goals in life are not there for us, our opportunities, so to speak. And so, you know, sometimes we have to go. Sometimes we do have to, you know, make the venture to the city, not because we want to, but because we have to. And so that's like, yeah, a really interesting thing to, to think about and talk about. Yeah, we have a, there's a, I think there's a Cherokee story and I don't hear it told very often, but there was a story that my fiance illustrated and it's about going into the West and how a lot of times in, in our Cherokee cosmology, the West symbolizes death. It's a journey into the Deathlands. And he illustrated a story that appeared in an Oklahoma magazine. And it was about these young people who were like, yeah, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go to California. But the farther they get away, the more obstacles and the more troubles they run into until they receive like a vision from like these otherworldly creatures. They're, I think they're Uktan. It's basically a, a very giant serpent who has powerful medicine. And it's neither, it's neither, it's not evil. But it's also not good. It's just a force. It's a being that's to be reckoned with and respected. And um, it basically just says, you're not supposed to go to California. And the kids almost die in like a car wreck. And so they, so they're like, okay, well, I guess we should just go home. (laughs) So they go home. (laughs) They recover from their car wreck. Let's talk about like our overall thoughts and feelings of the whole, the whole season of season one. Well, let me start with my overall season one, just after, you know, watching it several times, going, following along on the social media trends and the reaction that I hear out there. I think let's just talk about all the awards, all the nominations that they've received. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I watched a interview with the head of FX talking about how he had been accused of not diversifying his above the line people. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then he, they did like a whole survey of all of their programming. And it was quite obvious that he was not diversifying his above the line. And that was when he really made a commitment to start lifting up different voices. And I think that this with all of the accolades that have come with it is a direct result of the head of a studio saying, Hey, we can do better. And then actually doing better. And I think that it's opened up a whole new vein of storytelling that is fresh and new and real. And it's something that's caught everybody's attention and their imagination so much so that they make it about their own community, which I find so interesting just because Indian country is so diverse. I mean, just the the three of us, the four of us have such different native nations and experiences that you can't just say, oh yeah, that's what it's like on my res. Uh, I'm an urban Indian. So (laughs) I understand the jokes, but that is not my lived experience. But there have been so many people that have been like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I am reservation also. It's just, <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's been fun to watch. Um, there's been a lot of criticism about representation that I have found very interesting. And I would encourage them to hold writers of other color to the same standards that they're asking these writers to hold. I think that it's really been a lot of fun to watch. And it's made me feel really good about being brown. 
And I think for the second season, you know what? I'm just, for the second season, I'm just ready to sit back and enjoy the ride. I don't necessarily need to see them in California. If they come back, I think that, you know, any community would just welcome them with open arms. Be like, hey, they're back. Hey. And then, you know, shenanigans take off again. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to all of the new stories. I don't think that car is going to make it to California. Just my opinion. Just my car made it to California, so that car can make it to California. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was worse than that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so like uh, so like this overall season, story-wise, like I said, um, it took me a minute to figure out what it is and how I'm supposed to view it as a viewer. And what I felt like, you know, as a, uh, in media terms, as a TV show, it's a sitcom. And so to watch a sitcom, it's a situation for each episode that you watch. The story arc has a beginning, middle, and the end. Of course, these plot, plots are very, you know, simple plot. It's like a short story where, you're, where there's a story there, but it's not where the plot is the, the driving force, but it's more of the feeling and the emotions that you get from each episode. And so we see the the story not really being about the four characters, but the the interactions they have with the people in the res. And so it's their stories for each episode. And so that's why I thought it was more like an anthology. And these the four four res dogs are the are kind of like the hub of the storyline. And then the uh, the other aspect of it was like I felt like there was a it, it was a, a running of a theme, and the theme to me was the love story uh, or the love the love that the creator and filmmaker has with the res with his home and it's saying this is where i live and this is what it, it, it kind of made me think of the simpsons episode the 32 short films about springfield and in that episode it's about like all the different characters in the simpsons and they each have like a little small bit where something silly happens and it moves on to another character and it follows them and it's just all the characters of Springfield in, in this episode. And so to me, it felt like it was just this season long version of that. And, and, and that was a good thing because that's like one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons. And so then the overall story arc is even like not a big, you know, strong plot device or storyline. It's just about, like I said, their, their interactions with the, the Indian mafia and their, and their plan to get out of the res to go to California. And that even was like more to set up who our characters were and what's going on. So overall, you know, I think it was a good show. It's a great, it's a great show to watch. It's everything that we wanted as kids that we always talked about, like, oh, we don't, we don't get enough any representation. We don't see enough of ourselves on TV. And now we have it. And it's like, and so you're like, oh yeah, it's finally here. We finally get something. And so we want more now. (laughs) And the other thing too, is like, um, like I said, like even just for, those scenes at the graveyard and the singing of the hymn and and even just you know the putting dear woman in, in an episode in our in our stories and our our uh, cosmology being represented and those are enough to say this is worth watching just for those things and then you know you have the funny stuff and all that stuff and you get Gary Farmer naked so that we appease you know all the <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> But all the aunties have been waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, Maybe yeah, and I think it's a great series and that, and that it's doing that. And it, we're thankful for that. Thankful for 
the Hulu person being shamed to say, you got to put more, <laughs> more people of color on, on the screen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that that's been happening since like the nineties when they, you know, did the, uh, the mi- minority report and ABC was given like a bad grade because they did, you know, it was say, say, uh, what did they say? ABC was all but Chicano is what some people were saying. <laughs> and so they were like really mad because of that. And so from there, and that's how they had these, uh, these programs of like bringing in minority screenwriters to Disney because you know ABC is part of Disney, Disney is part of Hulu, so on and so forth. And so it's just just been this build up. And so you know, as much as we have our issues with Disney's for its racist films and things like that, you know, it sounds like you're trying to do better. You know, with the Pixar movies that we see lately, like Encanto and um, what, what was the other one the uh, uh, that I really liked, the one about the Day of the Dead. Uh, oh, Coco. Coco. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so, so there's, those. yeah. And so there's these movement towards, you know, this diversity and, and inclusion. And it had, and sometimes it has to be because some person in charge, mostly likely a white man in charge, has to be shamed. To get, <laughs> to get well, and, and ironically, Frozen 2 is all about reparations with the yeah. I mean, yeah. You got you got to dig deep to figure that one out, but it like the second time I watched, it, I was like, "Hey, wait a minute, they're the Samis." Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, so we're it's there. I mean, it's you know, we're I can't say we're getting there because we're there, but now we just want to see more because we're hungry for it and we're happy for it. We love to see it. And so for season two, uh, I'm glad to see that Ryan Redcorn's brought going to be brought into the writers' room. So that oh, means good. every. Yeah, all the 1491s now are going to okay. be on this show. And so and so that's good. And so I think for season two, I would like to see, I hope they give them more episodes, at least because this was like eight, eight episodes for this season, right? Right. So, so normally for a streaming show, it's usually like 12 episodes. So I'd like to at least see 12. And I, don't, I think what's going to happen with the car is that the grandmother, because the grandmother was supposedly mean, right? She was kind of mean even in this episode, is that she's going to call this car stolen. And those guys are going to get in trouble <laughs> and have to bring this car back. And so the tension between her and Bear are going to kind of be a, a pretty pretty heavy part of the story. And I like to just, you know, like I said, it, it's like levels of, of, of fun, you know, levels of storytelling. So, you know, the surface is that it's just silly, goofy. Like my cousin said, it's corny jokes. The jokes are corny. And that's what Indian jokes usually are, corny jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it's true. But there's these, you know, these la- layers of like, you know, what, almost like, you know, the, the Hollywood Indian story. And there's these layers of, like you said, these cultural things and these Indian things that you see throughout the show. I guess I did say a lot as well. As well. <laughs> so like, we but, knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my long-winded understanding of, of, of our of our favorite show. Remind me never to ask of. you to do the opening prayer for a meal. <laughs> oh. that, that's, that's, just, that's just Indian way, you know that. <laughs> he's going to write till your stomach growls. <laughs> he's, then he's going to pray a little bit longer. <laughs> that was that's the worst my... thing about my, about my dad. They would say, they're like, we, you know, we're supposed to be eating lunch at 12, but we wouldn't eat lunch about 12, 31 o'clock because those sermons go on forever, dude. <laughs> oh, man. I had an uncle who just pray and he pray and he pray and he pray. And I just remember like you could hear stomachs grumbling and growling. 
Oh, my dad was that way. And my mom would like squeeze his hand because the food was getting cold. (laughs) My thoughts are, I think we're like a lot of people's and that I didn't know what to expect. I I was, I did not know what to expect. I had some hesitancy uh, whenever I started watching it because I was kind of like, oh, are these kids just going to be thieves and they're just troublemakers, you know, but as we get going, you know, and we see, like Tully says, it's not plot driven. It's very character driven. And we get to see these kids are just, you know, their kids being kids. And yeah, they do things like they steal a chip truck or they, you know, they, they get into scraps or fighting and stuff like that. And they're kind of like vigilantes, you know? So um, as a whole, I like how it's not, it's not cookie cutter. It's not a copy and paste very cookie cutter sitcom it has sitcom humor but it's not very nice and neat and tucked away though i'm sure i'm sure in the writer's room i'm sure everything's been tightened and i'm sure there were jokes that didn't make it into the script you know or different scenes you know that uh that could have been played but but weren't for whatever reason but i like how it it does it feels very much it has sterling's flair it has some quirky, weird humor. And I, I like how very humanized everybody is. You know, I feel like I know these kids. I feel like I went to school with some of these kids. I feel like I know the adults. Uh, I, I really like this community. Uh, I, I think that they did a great job of getting a really good feel, a really good representation of how um, a Native community in Oklahoma is. So I think that um, that's kind of my take with the first season is I know it's... Um, for Sterling and I'm sure for the other showrunners, like they know that the native audiences, I think it was almost pretty much a given that most native audiences would have clicked right into. And we know, we know where we are. We kind of, we get the jokes. We, even if it's not our experience, like what Angie was saying, you know, like what we understand them, we can understand. I know, you know, like the 49 jokes that Big's making, I know that those are jokes that the old, that no offense, but that, that, that the generation above me, or two. <laughs> I know that they make because I actually don't hear a 49s happening very often anymore. But I know that I kind of picture that Biggs kind of he's doing like kind of 49 jokes with the teepee creeping and, you know, with shaking shells, you know, late. I mean, we still do those here and there, but I don't think that they're as prevalent as they once were. So, but I'm used to hearing like some of the older guys in my community, like making those kinds of jokes, making 49 jokes. Uh, I think it's, uh, where was I going with that? I kind of lost it. But anyway, the point is, is that I feel like it's a good introduction. Oh, I know where, I know, I remember where it was. I think for the showrunners, they knew that the native, that a lot of the native, native audiences would connect into and plug into these this community and these uh, these kids and these people and for the non-native community I, I'm very curious to I'm kind of curious to know how they react to it how do they react to this representation of just you know kind of what can be considered a level of normal it's a heightened normal but it's none of us would be surprised if any of this happened you know on on, on our communities so I am kind of curious to know how did non-native audiences react to the humor how how do they what what's their takeaway there were a lot of questions there were a lot of questions yeah just about some of the inside humor but I think overall they appreciated it they enjoyed it yeah what it was you know the second episode that opens up on the old couple in the car yeah you know that conversation about land back 
about land back and how, you know, we get free, oh, all the free stuff that we don't really get, <laughs> you know, all, all those yeah. misconceptions. I, I think that that was their entree into the story as they started peeling back those layers. And I, I heard nothing but good stuff from my non-native friends. Yeah, I would think that like, you know, there's a lot of discussion of like, you know, just fascination with it and like almost a, um, you know, an, a, like an am- amateur a- anthropologist pers- perspective of the show where they're like, really, is it like that? Oh, wow, really? You mean you really like, like is it really like that? You know, you know? And so I think it's kind of that kind of fascination to it that's probably going on too is, is my my feeling. And in season two, looking forward to season two, I am excited to know that Ryan Redcorn is in the writings room and so is Devery Jacobs. So I'm curious to know, I want to see more of the Native women fleshed out. I want to see more of how, I want to see like some I want to see some strong native women making some hard decisions. And I kind of know where Bear's mom was during that tornado. I, I don't think I'll get an answer to that because it was treated very like, well, you know, we guess she, didn't, she wasn't scared. So there. So uh, I'm curious to see too. Well, Bear, I don't think he ever got his unfinished business finished. Not really. I feel like his arc felt less neat in this, even though it's, I know it has something to do with his mom and probably his relationship with his mom, but I'm not sure if that's, it's kind of ambiguous, I think. So I'm wondering, is there something else? Are we going to see William Knife Man come back? I kind of hope we do. I want to see if he's going to mentor young bear into more warriorhood. (laughs) I think his, his father's storyline is his father is pretty unfinished. Oh, that's kind of a thread that didn't get tied up in a nice bow. Yeah. And I know that it doesn't have to be because that's not the show's style to be have to everything so nice and neat and packed away or anything like that. But I am curious to know, like, what else does Bear feel that he needs to accomplish on the res, especially since it seems and it's pretty heavily implied that Alora left him, just left him. So imagine we're going to see more of that fallout between him and Alora season two and maybe that's going to be i'm curious to see what's going to springboard season two since it was kind of it's kind of daniel's death right that kind of springs boards this first season right mm-hmm. i i'm curious too i'm i i always wondered how did cheese I, I wonder if they'll wrap this up in season two or explain more to it i'm wondering how cheese just got away with uh taking his quote-unquote grandma out of the hospital and she's like living with him and so there's a part of me that's like where are Cheese's parents how are they okay with this lady just living with them well and- yeah he doesn't have any which is uh the I came out in the IHS episode oh yeah he's staying with his uncle oh I must have missed that okay and I was wondering yeah like- you know when I think I think that you know when they were outside hanging out of the clinic it just kind of just happened. And of course, who doesn't want to see more of Casey Camp? Yeah, I love yeah. her. She's wonderful. She's I I want to see Cheese go on an adventure with his adopted grandma because that sounds like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to more of the peeps, more big. I'm wondering what other co- cosmological, cosmology people from... Um, from our stories are going to make an appearance 
So I'm excited to see, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm, I'm really excited for season two. I'm so glad we're getting a season two. And so there's lots of hopes. I've got lots of hopes for season two. I do kind of hope Alora does come back because I'm I'm glad Devery's like going to be on, in the writer's room. But I do want to see like I want to see like Laura again because she was a really bad A character. Really liked her. Yeah, I'm wondering if she will. I, I guess if she's going to be in the writer's room, that would mean that she's coming back as a writer as opposed to an actor. But you know, it, it could always be that she comes back as both. That happens. But yeah, because I that since Ryan's going to be in the room, there's a part of me that wonders if Ryan's going to pop in and be like. Oh, I hope so. I I can't wait to see all the guest stars. I mean, oh my gosh, what if? Okay, this is in the dream world. What if? What if? Like part of Bear's resolution with like his dad issues is with Ryan Redcorn because William Knife Man. You know, he tells him like, "Hey, you you got a lot of colonizers in your line, recent ones too." (laughs) (laughs) And I could see Ryan. Ryan loves playing. Ryan's wonderful in uh, a lot of like passing roles, and he will often do that. And I can see him like playing a role like that. Well, here's a really crazy fan theory. You know, what if Alora goes to Rutherford Falls and gets a job at the casino as Terry's oh assistant? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, we, we had pretty much the who's who of uh, Native American cinema, but the one person we're missing is uh, Graham Greene. So hopefully, uh, I don't think it. he gets out much anymore. I don't think he's I guess not because he let, yeah, I'm lets sure him he, out much anymore. But yeah, yeah. he would have been amazing. And, uh, and also, be. we didn't we didn't see Keys, and Keys has been in, in Sterling's movie, Keys MC. Y'all remember Keys being in the movie? <laughs> no. Okay, here's in I think Barking Water, right? He shows up for a cameo with Ryan. Oh, in the in the diner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that scene. <sighs> yeah yeah so maybe they could come in together <laughs> doing the same kind of kind of bit oh that'd be funny that'd be great if they showed up in the catfish place mm-hmm. i think that's it for episode was it eight episode eight i believe yeah for episode eight for for that's saturday mm-hmm. i wonder why it was called that do you know why it was called that i i think it's just the playing on the the muskogean uh, a the Muscogee. I'm assuming it's an A because that's what it is in Choctaw. Or is Choctaw it a, play, a, is a play from Friday, the movie Friday? Oh yeah, okay, I dig that. Okay, I see that now. Okay. That's what I wondered. I I was that's I wondered that too. I thought, is it is it a play on Friday? So I you know it's Saturday, but with Muskogee spelling. And you have the kids sitting on the on the front porch talking about smoking weed. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. i think that was a line from friday right where he said you ain't got a job let's get high yeah <laughs> yeah that's true um, yeah yeah one of the comments on the new york times article about it they were a lot of people were like well this isn't like reservation or reservoir dogs at all it's very confusing <laughs> <laughs> what is who who was gonna dance to uh Who's gonna dance around and cut some guy's ear off? Like that's not this mm. show. <laughs> yeah, the non-native group was a little confused by the title. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I weighed in and I was like, well, you know, natives are brought up in Western culture. 
So, you know, you see a nod to the thing, which is on the poster in a lot of Sterling's favorite movies. You see little nods to them throughout the series and, you know, reservation dogs, they survive. So my theory was that it's a nod to Western acculturation and native survival. And I think uh, probably a play on the words is that uh, there's there's a line said and actually specifically in this episode says something about every res dog for himself as they're running away from the storm mm-hmm. and throughout the series. Uh, oh, I think uh, Willie Jack had a line about like no one cares about res dogs. So maybe it's a comment. It's I think it's more of a comment too on like it's the kids who maybe don't feel loved because who cares for the res dogs who cares for those who cares for those little strays you know that can be honoring but they can be playful the irony of that is that everybody cares for the res dogs they all yeah watch out for them they all you know leave some food out there eat them they water them yeah (laughs) they belong to everybody right (laughs) they just don't get them neutered or spayed (laughs) 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 kind of like a a big metaphor to think about with it with the title itself as these four characters are the reservation dogs and how that like like you said how they're 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 almost kind of like running wild all the time not really doing anything but causing trouble yeah in a pack and so always trying to you know up to something which is what a res dog does always trying to get some food always trying to get into the house always you know getting in front of the car you have to pull them try not to hit them all those kind of crazy things <laughs> oh, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> my, one of my favorite lines was uh, uh, where their uh, Miko and uh, Moe's their car, their bad, their, uh, their bikes actually do get a flat tire at yeah. the end. Flattered in an Indian booty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that was like my favorite line of the whole series, probably. <laughs> And see, ironically, that's a joke that I know is as old as maybe, I don't know, as Indian country jokes get. And it's a joke that I don't get because that ain't me. (laughs) I think it's talking about all the uncles because it ain't me either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, alrighty, that was... That was season one of uh, our recap of Reservation Dogs and this epi- the last episode Saturday. We thank you for tuning in. Until then, I'm Candace. Tully. I'm Angela. And I'm Tully. Canapot, which means thank you. All right, y'all will pee. Ado Gunnage Gatling. Oh, 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 o